Preferred Capital Funding presents the Result Podcast, a podcast where trial lawyers share a recent verdict or settlement and discuss how they achieved the result. And now a few words from Tony Romanucci about how Preferred Capital Funding has helped him, his clients, and his firm. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you how many ways Preferred Capital Funding has helped our clients. But most recently, in a shining example of what preferred capital can do for our clients is after a significant jury verdict in Cook County last year, preferred capital was right there to help these people out with the needs that they that they had the most. And that was helping them buy new vehicles, help them with their housing, help them with their daily living expenses, which even included food. Ultimately, the case wound up settling during the time frame that preferred capital was funding them. And that's just one of the many examples in which PCL is so vital and integral to our practice. The Result Podcast hopes everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and a very safe holiday. We were off last week, but this week the podcast is happy to welcome Brian Smith of Brian Smith & Associates, headquartered in Memphis, Tennessee. Brian's firm practices exclusively in personal injury, including product and premise liability, medical malpractice, wrongful death, and motor vehicle accidents. Brian has been an integral part of the Tennessee legal community as serving as a former president of the Tennessee Trial Lawyers Association, of which he continues to be active. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. As per every episode, Brian, we're going to start at the end. Tell us about the result, and then let's discuss the case. Uh, We got a verdict of $5,732,000. Give us the case details. Yeah, so my client's name was J.R. Howe. J.R. was, uh, he's a great guy. I was uh, happy and and lucky to represent him. Um, JR was a veteran. He served in Vietnam. I think he did three or four uh, combat tours. And since he got back, he had had a lot of uh, business ventures. And, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a rich guy, but he was making it. Um, Got a lot of his health care at the VA uh, here in Memphis. Um, And in this what happened on this in this case was uh, he had gone to the ER uh, he had some abdominal pain, gone to the ER. They had worked him up and told him that it wasn't that big a deal, that he could go on home and it was fine. Uh, so they sent him home. Uh, his friends hadn't heard from him for a few days. So about three days later, one of his friends went over to his house uh, and found JR uh, on the floor. Um, she, he was he was barely breathing um, and she didn't know how long he had been there. So she got him up. She called an ambulance. Uh, the ambulance came. They took him back to the hospital. Once they got him back to the hospital, uh, they worked him up. And they realized that when he had gone to the ER, he had had uh, a, an infected diverticuli. diverticuli. Uh, it had become, it had gotten, it had ruptured. Um, all that bacteria and everything had spilled into his gut. And so over the few the few days, uh, he had gotten septic, became, went into septic shock. Uh, and when they found him, um, JR was was barely alive. Uh, they got him back to the hospital and they were able to um, to save him, uh, but he had a lot of problems. Uh, he had he had had a stroke. Um, he had lost vision in one eye. Uh, at the time they woke him up, um, he was paralyzed on one side. Uh, he did go through physical therapy and was able to regain some of the um, some of the use of his right side, but. But uh, he still walked with a walker, uh, and um, and he had a lot of problems, memory problems, uh, and just a lot of problems that went along with uh, going into septic shock and all the problems that go along with sepsis. 
so that's basically the case uh they've you know that obviously in the er they had misdiagnosed him they had missed the fact that he had an infected diverticulite and uh, sent him home um and and if they had done their jobs if they had diagnosed and worked him up like they were supposed to obviously um they could have saved him they could have gone in and done surgery or even our our testimony was they could have done you know uh some more conservative type therapy and probably could have treated the infection before it got to the point where he was in shock and half dead. Now, I know you said uh, before we started recording that this is a case that ultimately went to trial, correct? That's right. Before we get to the trial itself, how did you, how do you approach a case like this in the run-up? What is your preparation to get ready for trial? Was there an offer along the way? Kind of give us those details. Yeah, so let's start with the offer. Um, so this was against the VA, um, the Veterans Administration here in in, uh, in, in Memphis. It's uh, we had a uh, done the VA cases. I've I've done a lot of these VA cases. A lot of people don't take them. I think they don't understand uh, the laws and and how to file against the VA. But they're actually uh, good cases. And so we had worked it up. Uh, you don't, it's a bench trial. You don't get a jury trial. It's a bench trial. So we had a, uh, a, a judge, a good judge. He was appointed by George H.W. Bush, um, fairly conservative, but he was a good guy. But, you know, when we get the case, of course, we evaluate it. We get experts to look at it and all the other stuff. We had worked the case up. I mean, you talk about settlement. We had, we had worked it up. Um, there were several things that were, that worried me about the case. So, um, one of them being, uh, you know, JR's economics. I try to focus more and more. I try to focus on the economics of the cases. And so JR had, uh, like I said, he'd come back from Vietnam and he had construction jobs and he was making it, but he wasn't doing a great, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't rich by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, he, uh, so he had lost, he, he had lost some jobs and he lost the ability to work, but we had to put a, a number on that. And, so digging into that, uh, did a lot of research on that to figure out, you know, Tennessee law is pretty good on loss of earning capacity. It's pretty, um, it's pretty uh, liberal and, and the law is pretty good on that. So we put, uh, a, we got a, a vocational expert to look at the case, to put, uh, to evaluate the case and put numbers on it. Um, and in Tennessee, you have to have some evidence for the judge to, um, base his decision on or the jury to base their decision on. And so we had gotten some people that he had worked with. Some of them were out of the country over in Africa. He'd had some dealings in Africa. And so we had some of those people testify, but I was worried about his, you know, economics and putting it all together. So we did go to mediation before uh, we went to trial and the VA actually offered a million dollars at mediation, which was a big deal for JR because at the time JR was living in uh, a week to week, uh, hotel. Uh, so he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he was struggling to, to make it. And I give, I give JR credit, you know, JR, we looked at the case and we went through it and we talked about it in mediation. And, and, um, you know, it was, I told JR, you know, a million dollars, a lot of money is gonna make a lot of difference in his life. Uh, if he took it. Um, but, but, but I also told JR that, you know, I thought the case was worth a lot more than that. Um, and that we were happy to go to trial and I was happy to go try it with him. Uh, and to Jr's credit, uh, he turned it down, and and he and he said, you know, he would he would struggle through what he needed to struggle through until he get through the trial, and then it worked out for him. Fortunately, um, you know, it was obviously the right decision in retrospect. 
how did it, now VA cases being a little bit of a different animal? How did the defense approach the case? So um, the defense approached the case. Uh, so we we worked it up. We had a um, because it was a VA case, and our and our judge too was a Vietnam veteran as well. So I really tried to focus the case and make the case, you know, um, set the case up for the for the audience for the judge. Uh, and so we got, I got experts who were former uh, military people that had worked in the VA system. We had a great surgeon who had worked in the, in the VA, in the VA system. And the, so we worked through it all. And we went through, as we went through trial, the VA, one of the good things about the VA is the U S attorneys will actually, unlike a lot of these insurance defense lawyers, these are career guys. They're for the most part, easy to work with. Once we showed them our, our, our liability side of the case, they actually, they didn't stipulate to liability, but they told us that they weren't going to bring any liability witnesses. We had to put on our case and they were going to attack our witnesses and see if they could get them excluded, but uh, they weren't going to attack our liability case. So the liability proof came in really unopposed, which is, like I said, one of the nice things about working with the U.S. attorneys is they'll, they'll work through the things and they'll focus on where the, the case needs to be focused on. It'll fight over it needs to be fought over, but they won't, um, they won't drag things on unnecessarily. So we focused a lot of our case really more on the damages side of the case. And that's where we, we really spent a lot of our, our time and effort uh, is trying to prove the damages in the case for the judge. Now, how long was your process being that it was a bench trial? The trial was, uh, only, how long? Yeah. The trial was only yeah. two days. Wow. Uh, we had to wait a long time for a verdict. The judge was very thorough. We we gave you know we put all the medical records in, into evidence, uh, um, and he came back with a I think it was about a twenty page decision. But it took him it probably took him six months to write it up. Wow. So uh, along those lines, so most of our people that listen to the podcast are fellow uh, attorneys, more specifically trial attorneys. When you have a VA case come to your office, how do you evaluate it? Because I know, as you alluded to earlier, a lot of people avoid these cases. And I think some of that stems from the inability to assess the actual value of those cases. Yeah. So the VA cases, um, I think I, I, what I hear and what I think a lot of why a lot of people turn these cases down is for in Tennessee, where I am, um, you know, there's a limitation on how much you can sue the state of Tennessee for. And I think a lot of people assume that there are limitations on what you can get from the VA. Uh, and so what the VA, the VA cases, they adopt, you know, whatever the underlying state law is. And at the time in Tennessee, we did not have caps. We do now have caps, but at the time we didn't have caps. And so, um, you know, a lot of people turn these cases down for that reason. But when they come in, I mean, I, you know, these types of cases, we evaluate them just like any other um, medical malpractice case. Now, one thing you, that you do have to be careful about, and a lot of, a lot of people don't realize, is um, some of the people that work at the VA are independent contractors. And so if, if, you're, if you're not careful and you don't make sure that the people who are at fault, if you don't do a, a deep dive into these cases and figure out who exactly is at fault and what they did wrong, and make sure that they are in fact VA employees, uh, you can get into trouble because some of these people, you know, you have to sue in state court and not in, in federal court, even though they work in the VA system. And so that is a, a, a something that we work through and make sure we've got the right people. But, um, but you know, once you, once you get them in, you evaluate them just like another 
any other um, medical malpractice case. And then you, you know, you go through the process with the VA and, and eventually end up in federal court. Along those same lines, if you had to pick one thing that someone, a tangible thing that someone could take away from this case, this process, uh, this particular result, what would you say that item is? Well, I would say it's two things. Um, I spent a lot of time, and, and I do with my clients, I spent a lot of time really digging into the, the injury side of the case. I think, um, especially on the medical cases, because liability is so hard to prove, what I see a lot of times is people really focus on, and you have to, obviously, on the liability side of the case, making sure you got your proof in order, making sure you got the right experts, making sure you can prove that the, the defendants did something wrong. But I think because of that, people really lose focus. A lot of people lose focus on the, the damages side of the case, which is really what we're about. I mean, we got to prove liability, but ultimately we're trying to get our clients money uh, to, to make their lives better. So I spent a lot of time with VA, uh, with uh, JR, went out to his house, um, went through the medical records with my experts, really came up with um, to set out um, uh, you know, all the injuries that he had and, and all the things that had happened to him as a result of the misdiagnosis, which, like I said, was, you know, initially it was a misdiagnosis of the diverticulitis, which was just an infection that could have been treated. But then that, of course, ruptured, which led to the infection, which went through all of his body. When the patient gets septic and, and goes into septic shock, their body starts to shut down. So uh, it shunts blood away from the brain, the heart you know, uh, or to the brain, the heart, and the, and the essential organs. So you end up getting damage to other, you know, lesser organs like the kidneys, uh, you know, and, and things like that. And then once it goes on, it goes into DIC, then you get into a, place, a problem where they have blood clots. And, and so like JR had strokes uh, and lost eyesight. And just really to map all that out and to make sure that you can really explain to the judge or the jury, not just, you know, the initial injury, but all the consequences that led from that injury, and then really doing a deep dive into, you know, how that affects them on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. In this particular case, you know, JR had some, you know, business dealings overseas, which um, I was worried about uh, them seeing somewhat questionable. So we, we found uh, witnesses, business partners he had worked with. We actually had a business partner um, in, I think it was in Philadelphia, who testified by video, you know, so we're just really putting together and spending the time with the client to really understand the injuries, not just the injuries, but how those injuries affect their their life on a day-to-day -day basis, and then put all that together, you know, and, and backed up with evidence that you can spend, uh, you can present to the judge or the jury. That takes a lot of time, and and like I said, a lot of times I, I see people focus more on the liability side and uh, give the the injury side a little bit of you know lesser importance, and I spot, I try to spend at least as much time on damages, if not more on damages, uh, in every case I work on. Well, it clearly worked in this case, for sure. Uh, Brian, is there anything that we have missed that you want to discuss about this case? No, I, I would, the only other thing I would say is, you know, don't be afraid to try the case. I mean, obviously, you know, um, this was a case where uh, JR uh, was struggling. I mean, he, you know, I said he was living in a week-to-week -week, uh, hotel room at the time, but uh, we went to mediation um, and they offered him a million dollars, which was a lot of money to JR and could have made a lot of, you know, difference in his life. And, but, but he said no, and, you know, don't be afraid to try the cases. 
you know, he, he was willing to do it after we talked about it. And I agreed that, you know, it made sense in this particular case. And, and you know, and, and at the time, you know, it was a little scary to turn down a million dollars on a case like this. Uh, I thought it was the right thing to do, but it was a little scary to do it. And, you know, I just encourage people to trust their gut and not be afraid to go try the cases. Um, you don't get the big verdicts and you don't get good results, you know, if you don't try cases. And so I would encourage people to do that. Well, Brian, risk is only mitigated by wonderful preparation, and it sounds like there was that in spades here. So, uh, Brian, really appreciate you taking the time. A wonderful result for your client. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you.